Hello everyone, welcome back to another installment in our series. I'm Cecilia Hikena. I'm Ellen Azisco. And I'm M. Tom Bash. And we are research fellows at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. And along with State Current, we are sharing knowledge to improve child health around the globe. So today we are reviewing the March edition of JPS. And for that, we have three articles that the editor helped us choose. Dr. Mark Levitt from Children's National Hospital helped us choose these articles. Hi, this is Mark Levitt. I'm the Chief of Colorectal and Pelvic Reconstruction at Children's National Hospital, Washington, D.C. The articles are listed and linked in the description below. Follow along and read with us. Great. Um, for today's episode, we have three articles about colorectal pathology. The first one is about bacterial association with gynecologic anomalies. The second one is about a new technique for the patellus anal sphincter after pull-through for hairspring disease. And the third one is about contrast enemy patients prior to stoma reversal. So let's start. So the first article is, does presence of a bacterial anomaly predict an associated gynecologic anomaly in females with anorectal malformations? And we talked to the first author, Dr. Hira Ahmad. Hi, my name is Hira Ahmad, and I'm a senior fellow at Seattle Children's Hospital. Essentially, they wanted to see if females with anorectal malformations, or ARMs, and bacterial anomaly were more likely to have gynecologic anomalies. And as a reminder, bacterial is an association defined by at least three anomalies in the vertebral, anorectal, cardiac, tracheoesophageal, renal, or limb systems. To study our question, we looked at the multicenter registry of the Pediatric Colorectal and Pelvic Learning Consortium, or PCPLC. And overall, they looked at 834 females, and they found that there was an association in that more of the patients with ARMs and bacterial association had gynecologic anomalies. And this was especially true for the rectovestibular and rectoperineal fistulas. And even more interesting was the fact that in patients with ARM who did have a bacterial association, when one of the associated anomalies was in the renal system, there was an even higher risk of having an associated gynecological anomaly. Gynecology is a key member and should be considered as worthy of consideration, as worthy of being evaluated as problems with the vertebral column, problems with the cardiac system, problems with the renal system. And that was Dr. Mark Levitt. He was the editor who helped us choose these articles. I think it's really important to realize that besides cloaca, rectoperineal and rectovestibular fistulas in these patients also has an association with gynecologic anomalies. So we have to start looking for them so we can assess the patients the best way possible. You know, this concept of the gynecologic association with an anorectal malformation is relatively new really was launched in 2005 with the creation of the first ever Kohler Center at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. I'm very proud that 
um, Alberto and I launched a program in Cincinnati, and I will be grateful to Cincinnati Children's. A multidisciplinary team approach is ideal when we care for ARM patients, and this should include our gynecology colleagues um, to provide a systematic and collaborative assessment for um, any patients who are undergoing reconstruction of anorectal malformation. You need gynecology brain power to influence the care of these patients. And this paper really points out that any ARM patient must be considered whether or not there's a gynecologic problem to be found and treated. That's why it's so important. And here's what Todd had to say. So it might need its separate letter in the, in the acronym. Our second article of the day is Reconstructing the Anal Sphincters to Reverse Iatrogenic Overstretching Following a Pull-Through for Hirschsprung Disease. This is a paper of a technique that I described a year ago. These are the first-year outcomes. We talked to the first author, Elisaveta Bokova. My name is Elisaveta Bokova. I was a research fellow at Children's National, and I'm currently doing my research at Children's Mercy Hospital. And this is a paper from Children's National Hospital. In this paper, they wanted to see the outcomes with the new surgical technique for the patients who had pulled through for Hirschsprung disease, having soiling. These are Hirschsprung's patients who had iatrogenic injury at their original pull through. Their sphincters were overstretched and they were left fecally incontinent. That was Dr. Mark Levitt. He's the editor that picked this article this month. He's also the senior author in this paper. By sphincter reconstruction, the sphincters are tightened, which allows the patients to feel the stool coming and therefore improve their valve control. So basically what they do is attach the sphincter complex to the bowel well so that it closes better. Of six patients, four have done extremely well. Two have Down syndrome, so I think there's a behavioral delay in their capacity to demonstrate successful bowel function and bowel control. This procedure allows these patients to get the solution of their anatomic problem that cannot be solved just with bowel management. So the technique is new. Results show us the sphincter reconstruction can be promising dealing with soiling after the pull-through operation. I trust that these authors see it more than anyone, so they know that they can probably identify when there's a patulous anus and it's and this patient deserves to have this procedure. But I think these numbers are too low for us to be making a widespread practice change. I think it's an intriguing concept, but I would not change my practice yet based on this paper. This is interesting. I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, more patients' outcomes. Obviously, this was a small sample, but still interesting to hear about more patients in the future. Now, the third article is Routine contrast enema prior to stoma reversal seems only required following treatment for necrotizing enterocolitis, an evaluation of the diagnostic accuracy of the contrast enema. This is a retrospective study done in Netherlands, and we talked to two of the first authors. My name is Robert, and I finished med school almost a year ago. I'm working uh, as a resident in the gynecology and obstetrician, and I did some research with my brother. 
my name is Laurens Efting Schattenkerk. I did my uh, PhD at the pediatric surgery department of the Amsterdam UMC. And afterwards, I got accepted to do a specialization to tropical medicine, which I'm doing right now in Almelo in the ZGT hospital. This study was between 1998 and 2010, and they looked at patients three years old or younger that needed a stoma reversal. I look at if they got a contrast enema, uh, how many weeks before, uh, was it onserograde uh, uh, or retrograde? And they had 224 patients included, and of them, 10% had structures prior to a reversal, and 95% of them had had neck or necrotizing enterocolitis. Just one of the structures wasn't in a neck patient. And that was a patient treated for a duodenal atresia, which had a volvulus afterwards. So there was an ischemic injury as well of the bowel. Of all the patients, only 68% had a contrast enema and detected 92% of the strictures. So it's really accurate. But... Also, one of the conclusions is that most of the patients that are going to have a stricture after the creation of the stoma are patients that had problems in their vasculature. So those patients are probably patients that had neck. And what else we found was that in some patients, there is a chance of having two strictures, for instance, if you have an intestinal atresia. So that's why we set out that if you find an atresia during, for instance, anterograde enema, you could also perform a retrograde enema to be sure that no, there's not a second stricture, which we found in one patient. And I agree with that wholeheartedly. I don't think there's any mechanism to expect that distal to your stoma, there is continuing disease or continuing problem that you need to check for before you close the stoma. And again, that was Dr. Mark Levitt. What we're seeing is a movement away from routine contrast studies in general. You know, we don't necessarily get them in all patients who need a G-tube. Now we're realizing we don't need it in all stoma reversals. It's very tailored to the specific disease. And I think it makes sense, especially after this paper validating it, that in patients with necrotizing enterocolitis, it's reasonable to get a contrast study before stoma takedown. Okay, so those were the three articles for today. The first one was about gynecologic anomalies in bacterial association. And we found out that it's really important to look for them in female patients with bacterial. The second one was about this new technique for the patellus anal sphincter in Hirschsprung disease. And even though we have small sample, it seems promising. So we are going to keep an eye on that. And the third one was about routine contrast enema for stoma reversal. And it seems that it is only useful in patients that had neck. If you liked this episode, don't forget to follow us on social media, subscribe to our YouTube channel, listen to previous episodes of this podcast or other podcasts, wherever you get your podcast from. And don't forget to download the Staker and app on App Store or Play Store. Okay, so until then, I'm Cecilia Hijena. I'm Ellen Zisco. And I'm M. Tom Bash. And we are research fellows at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. And along with State Current, we are sharing knowledge to improve child health around the globe. Mm -hmm.